Welcome to another edition of Michael L. Craver Presents. We are mm, 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 14, almost 15 hours into St. Patrick's Day. I think the last episode was a couple of weeks ago, right? We're going to go out and you're going to have some experiences to come back and share. I just don't agree with the concept of coming here like every week. and I work my 70 hours. I don't really tell work stories. And... Uh, so we got to have some new content put together for everybody. But I uh, hope you're having a great St. Patrick's Day. A great uh, couple of weeks have gone by. There was an episode in between, but it was deleted. It was it was lost in translation as it was late at night. I recorded, I don't know, a good hour and a half, two hours on the Ownership series and felt that um, it was not something I wanted to even go back and attempt to to uh, <laughs> edit or or save it was something the savior could not save and so we just uh, didn't even play it back just hit the delete button before I ever went to bed that night <laughs> and said yes I want to delete this no I would not like to save this file gone forever so a lot like my my extra hair that I cut off I went over to the good folks at uh, Great Clips and let them, you know, do the undercut or whatever on the sides and still letting the top grow out. So getting a little bit of the old, you know, the haircut I had like 20 years ago. Uh, but uh, it's been a good couple of weeks and uh, it's still hot and heavy 70 hours, you know. They give you a 40-hour job. Pick up a second job. Pick up a lot of overtime. I'm virtually there every minute that our department uh, at work is open <laughs> from open to close uh, every day uh, they won't let you work seven days a week so six days a week I'm there from open to close but uh, I, I quite enjoy the work ethic the house nice and organized um, still making my favorite Amazon purchases right Brock's makes a wonderful big bag that I bought uh I think two came in the combination that I bought on Amazon. So it was like 3.8 pounds times two. Seven point, uh, seven point, well, I guess it's not 3.8, it's like 3.6, but it's almost seven total pounds of jelly beans <laughs> from Brock's. And then uh, I bought five pounds of, uh, La it's not Laffy Taffy, it's uh, saltwater taffy, which is in my drawer. I keep restocking the bowl on the kitchen table and I keep the rest in one of these uh butter cookie tins people give me for Christmas they know I love the butter cookies Donsk love their butter cookies and uh so I keep the tin afterwards and you you know that's like my grandfather or my uncles or dad do right they keep the extra containers around the shop or somewhere just to put something in it and slow it probably some Masking tape or something on top with a Sharpie label. Here's what's in here. Yeah, that's me. It's a, it's a heritage thing. What else we got? We got five pounds of Starburst. <laughs> that's in the closet, unopened. And uh, this week, um, I think they're made by... Uh, M Is it MK Lighting Company? These Q-C-U-E-Q-2 lighters. 
Um, I just, uh, you know, I was like, well, I'm smoking these cigars. I should buy a lighter. Well, a Zippo is nice. You buy some fuel, you fill it back up. You look like the guys in the movies, right? You open the Zippo, cha-ching, cha-ching. Okay, well, how much would it cost to buy some disposable lighters? I bought 100 for $18. That's, that's, that's what I did. <laughs> if you're looking for a lighter, hit me up. But um, it's been an interesting few weeks. I've, I've been so tempted with WrestleMania around the corner to, uh, to buy a WWE um, some kind of championship belt. If those of you who've seen some of my pictures online or otherwise, it's a little hobby of mine to have a, a few championship belts around. And uh, I'll give a little plug to the WWE. They have this winged, the winged eagle, the dual-plated silver and gold championship belt from the 80s and the 90s. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's extremely tempting. My leather guy, uh, Keith, who runs... American Leather and Signs. It might be Signs and Leather. He's changed the name of that company. Um, he's re-leathered all my belts. And uh, it, it's, it's very worth it uh, to me because it's it's on like leather, like a real belt would be with your name stamped in it or a guitar strap or a leather vest or saddlebags or anything else. It's really, really nice. He's, he does great work. Hand tools, all of it. So, those are my little gifts to myself. Every couple of years, maybe for my birthday, I'll give myself a belt. And then I've given some of those away. Anthony. They say everything's bigger here. And not to mess with us. Because this place runs deep in our hearts. Here's the bottom line. This is where the jaws will drop, the feet will stomp, the crowds will roar, and the superstars will soar. Where the roofs are blown off, asses get handed, and moments are made in the only way we know how. What? WrestleMania calls, and Dallas says, oh, hell yeah. It's gonna be madness. It's gonna be madness. It's gonna be madness. This year, if you, if you don't know, it's March 17th. So in a month, I turn 40, and, um, Maybe I'll do something for myself. I haven't decided yet. But um, the Rangers, the Rangers, New York Rangers coming to the Raleigh Coliseum this Sunday at 6 p.m. for the final showdown of the season with the Hurricanes. So I haven't decided if I'm going to get down there on my day off. i got to get up and work at 7 a.m. on Monday morning. <laughs> These are the adult decisions that you have to make. And though I will tell you that I would rather make memories, I'd rather be awake than asleep. Sleep um, has this special exponential factor when you start working um, 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. for five days in a row. 
So if you don't start getting it on Sunday, it's kind of lost by the end of the week. Just saying. Um, but no, it's it's been an interesting couple of weeks besides looking at wrestling belts and buying... I guess you would call it... Uh, what do we call Sam's and Costco, right? They're called the wholesale clubs or the discount clubs. Or If you've never seen the show, I love, love Superstore. Uh, which is spun off of Employee of the Month with um, Dane Cook and Jessica Simpson and Harlan Williams, one of my favorite comics. A guy who never really got the credit he deserved. He's in Half-Baked with Dave Chappelle and some of those guys. But uh, I've I've really, really enjoyed um, the last few weeks of, I don't know, just... I've, I've, I think everybody has room for progress in their life. So if you're looking at the springtime as a time to get out and do some projects in the garden, get some potted soil, put something in the ground, buy some plants just to keep around the house, just to clean the air and keep the atmosphere and get your routine to water those and keep them alive and be responsible for something else. Excellent, excellent projects. Buy a tomato plant so, you know, it, it bears some fruit. Well, some vegetables but you understand um you could put it in a potted plant uh like a potter put it in the window maybe one that's got an underwear design you have fruit of the loom no no dad jokes are just i gotta tell you my favorite my very favorite uh, advertising thing in the last like several years are these progressive commercials and if you've not seen them, I highly recommend you go spend just a few minutes on YouTube. There's a bunch of them, and apparently there's a bunch of like behind the scenes or like things that they just made. They had time, so they made extra ones. These progressive commercials are about how not to be like your parents, and it's just it's just it's just fucking hilarious. That's what it is. <laughs> it's really great stuff. <laughs> I feel like I should watch them with my dad. And you should too. But, well, you shouldn't watch them with my dad. You watch them with your damn dad. But you understand what I'm talking about. Okay, this is a freezer, not a time capsule. Sometimes the house itself can tell you how a young homeowner is turning into their parents. Not those two. Yep, they're gone. Forever? Yep. That there is Progressive's Home Quote Explorer website where I compared home insurance rates. We don't need to print the internet. Some are beyond help. I will give you $100 if you can tell me what this is. Scotch egg. It's a meatball. Ah. Progressive can't help you from becoming your parents, but we can help you compare rates on home insurance with Home Code Explorer. We've got a lot of work to do. Oh, no. Where does it end? Okay, we're not going to ask for discounts on floor models, demos, or displays. Shopping malls can be a big trigger for young homeowners turning into their parents. You ever think about the storage operation a place like this must rely on? No. They just sell candles and they're making overhead? You know what kind of fish those are? No. Uh, don't be coy. <laughs> coy fish. It can be overwhelming. Think a second. Have we seen this trip before? Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home an auto with us. But you know what? I'm still going to get it. And uh, in the meantime, I do. I love, like, when those things come on, it makes me happy that I left the advertising on and didn't download a filter or subscribe to YouTube Premium or whatever else. Like, there's certain things in advertising that I love the... The idea behind it, um, and um, I think about that more and more as I'm turning forty. That 
How much more are you like your parents? Well, they're both hardworking people, and they're extremely compassionate. They, I've never seen them try to tell somebody to do something they didn't want to do, or to even tell them something they wanted to do. They have very much been people who are not. Um, you know, you come to the Sunday school class. My dad might teach the Sunday school class, right? You come to a nursing class, my mom might teach you in the nursing class because you volunteered. They're not going to round you up and go, come on in. School's in session. He's, and there's nothing like that. There's no, you know, involuntary anything. It's very, I don't know. I'm like that, though. I don't go grabbing people by the collar and say, look, son of a bitch. I don't, I don't tell people, here, you better listen. If we are already engaged in a conversation... There's a good chance I'm going to share something with you. And I've been challenged, especially over the last month or so, about certain things. There was a story I told several weeks ago, months ago. There was a young girl who um, I was talking about, hey, you know, here's me, and I, I have my kids. And she says, well, I'm a parent too, you know. I had a baby and miscarried after three weeks, and so I'm a mother. And I said, wait a minute now. No, you're not. Well, yes, I am, because... And I was like, no, no, no. And then it, then it became this... And then I said, well, here's an interesting question. Old Molly over here. Tammy, Molly, Mary, I don't care what her name is. Call her Caitlin. Bruce. Bruce the Moose. Um, call him. Whatever you want. So-and-so goes down to uh, an undisclosed location, gets the old coat hanger treatment, the chemical or the surgical abortion. Are they still a mother? They are, right? Well, uh, I mean, Susan Smith is still a mom. She took her kids, put them in a car, and slung it in a river in South Carolina. Told the news that, you know, somebody stole my car. No, they didn't. She was crazy and she drowned her kids. She's still a mother though, right? Well, not anymore. She didn't have any kids. She's not a mother anymore. Well, I mean, she was a, she was what? You know, you can call people father their whole life, even after they retire from the church or they're no longer an ordained minister, but that's your choice to call them that. It's a, it's a euphemism at that point. They are not technically anything. Like, you don't have a birth certificate for a baby. You're not a mother. You're not a legal guardian to anything. You're not a mom. Well, that's not the same. because That's what I'm talking about. Being a functional parent. You have a life. And the, the ultimate warrior has this. <clears throat> Jim Hillwood, the ultimate warrior. Um, he talks about life and responsibility. He says, where is there... Any right to life without responsibility. And all these people raise their hands and they go, Yeah, when you have the right to be born. He says, that There's responsibility. Like somebody's got to keep you alive until you can sustain your own life. It's stupid. And it is. And if you've never had to support a life, and, and you can say what you want, but there's people who don't even know they're pregnant until like five or six months and then they, you know, they have, uh, let's say, a miscarriage in a bathroom somewhere. That happened to me at work one night. One of the girls came back in the kitchen. Oh, my God, I bled so much. <sighs> well, at least that's not going to be one more to take care of. True story, right? 
And I was like, wow. But she's a mom. Oh, she's not a mom? Because she flushed it, like, when she was doing a number two? Or it, It's, I mean, I look at it from a very different perspective. And, and part of it is fundamental. You don't have a birth certificate. You don't have a life that you have to sustain for the next however many years. They're not going to call you up because your kid was out drunk driving or tore up a house or nothing, right? Nothing. Because nothing. He's always going to be Coach K. Yeah, but he's not the coach of anything anymore. He's retired. Uh, oh. My grandfather's a hard worker. He retired 20 years ago. Well, he was a hard worker. Oh. Well, she used to be a mom. She used to be growing a kid. Not anymore. I mean, that's really fundamentally what it boils down to for me is you stop. You know what I mean? I have a car. Am I a driver? Not unless I'm sitting behind the fucking wheel and it's running. These are functional terms. So anyway, somebody got into it with me about this. You're just an awful person. I can't believe you said that to that girl. And I thought, you can think what you want, for one, because the First Amendment entitles you to a wrong opinion. Who in here would like to take a crack at telling me? What they think the fundamental difference is. Hey, look, I'm good with it, man. You want to participate. But with me, there's a right and a wrong. You're entitled to your wrong opinion about things. Round and round the mulberry bush, round and round and round, saying your opinion is just as valid as mine. If, my, if, you're, if I'm wrong and you correct me, I will defer and I will say I was wrong. Now, I'm going to take the right, I'm going to have the right idea about it because you straightened me out. But in a lot of things that I'm going to talk about here as we go along, my opinion is right. There is a right opinion. There are right ideas about how the world works. Liberals have a tendency to think that that's not the case, that every idea is just as legitimate as every other. Secondly... What she said to me in a combative way was that she was just as much a parent as I was. Which ain't true. <laughs> she does not have just as much responsibility as I do. So, I think you're breaking rule number two. So she just, you know, she just stopped being a bitch. <laughs> and suck it up. You want to be a mom? Be a surrogate. Uh, well, if you're a surrogate, are you really a mom? Yes, you're a mother. Well, wait a minute now. Once you hand the kid off, who's the mother? The birth mother or the legal mother? Or the... Well, they're both... No, they can't both be. Right? We're all mothers. <laughs> yeah, you're a mother, all right. The way Red Fox meant it. The Red Fox joke is, if I, if I dig through enough Red Fox, I'll put it into this segment right here in the podcast. I was overseas four years, man. Came back home, my old lady met me in San Francisco and said, Fox, Fox, you're a father. <laughs> uh, I, I, I said, hold on just a moment here. One, two, three, four. I said, you're a mother. <laughs> But I'll tell you the Red Fox joke. He says it was a guy. He was going to war. 
for four years. He'd been gone overseas, World War II. Comes home. The girl he married and left has a two-year-old baby. And she says, she says, you, you a father, you a father. And he counts off on his hand. One, two, three, four. And then he balls his fist up and says, and you a mother. <laughs> you know, <laughs> obviously she'd been running around on him. Um, I just, you know, it's, it's just, it's so simple for me in those terms, right? It's, it's a function. Is it a functional word? The guy who gets a DUI. Is he a drunk driver? Well, he was at that time. And he was charged with drunk driving. He's not forever a drunk driver. At some point, he could get that expunged. I mean, you know, for a while, he's an accused drunk driver. And then there's an arraignment. And there's a, you know. It's it's nonsense. I talked about this at great length in a different episode. Are you always an addict? Are you always a felon? Are you is that the label you're always going to be known by? Or at some point do you stop being those is that umbrella of shame really of association is that ever taken away from you? You know. And it's something you really got to think about when you start looking at people. The people who run rehabilitation clinics and, and interventions and things like that are predominantly people who are from that walk of life. They are from addiction. They're addicts, and now they're your counselor. Are they an addict or a counselor? They're both. One has a really negative connotation to it. You know, if they go back and get their doctorate degree, you don't call them, you know, here's Dr. So-and-so, the addict. Then again, so who I cannot remember who tells that joke, but one of the funny things about those walks of life. This is Alcoholics Anonymous. And then you stand up and you go, I'm Bill and I'm an alcoholic. That doesn't sound very anonymous to me. <laughs> Give your name. You'll wear a damn sticker on your shirt. <laughs> Identify yourself. That's not anonymous. You know. It's just one of those, you know, like you have to, there's a court appointed or, or mandated uh, meetings that you have to go to. Hey, anonymous. <laughs> and I'm, I'm talking kind of in circles, but I mean, the reality of what I'm saying is this. You have people who are associated in certain ways with certain things. And they won't always be associated with those things. People change for the good, for the bad. I mean, a lot of people make decisions and they lose they lose the light is a good way of saying it. And some of the experiences I've had talking to people in the last few weeks have run in circles about how they... Um, I, I The label I keep giving to it is, is a mission statement. They, they've come up with this list of bylaws... <laughs> For lack of a better word, this list of sort of mission statement, the bylaws, the it's like reading from a human resources book. Hi, my name is Jill, and these are the things that I will do, won't do, looking for. This is my TED Talk. That's what the fuck they're giving you. And then I look at that and I say, that's a shame. Because... They want you to fit into their system. They're not a fluid organism that's going to 
Um, they don't have this cloud-like sort of fluffiness and malleability and it's it's not the way that you can take putty as a kid and play with play-doh and things of that nature and you can mold it and you, you can turn it into anything right the possibility well, there's the possibilities are not genuinely endless but you understand there's a, a great deal of creative freedom and there's no set rules it's just Play-Doh, a potter, or someone who's into those arts as a, as a craftsman who can take a piece of wood, who takes clay, metal. I mean, people do all kinds of things for their expressions. And they bend and shape and weld and, you know. And so relationships or the ability to forge hmm, a relationship is much like that. It's all about what you can do with the other person. You're compatible, but you have a great deal. You're, you're chemically compatible. I'm a guy with my living, breathing tissue. My mind can do a wide variety of things. I can talk about, right? We can have behaviors that are comfortable, uncomfortable. You're a woman, and you have the same genuine possibilities, right? You can be open-minded, you can go to places that are exciting, places that are scary, places that are safe. You may consider places unsafe. You may take conversations into places you only consider safe, right? I don't talk about, you know, politics or sex or whatever it is. They consider those to be these volatile areas that are, for lack of a better word, triggers, right? And the word gaslighting and stuff like that comes up from, from people. So you have folks who would genuinely, they, they act as if they're genuinely presenting this very open canvas for two people to be able to paint on and to be able to sit down and say, okay, I think you're attractive. I think you're attractive. And What is your, your, as somebody said to me today, what is your resume in life? What is your skill set that you bring to the table? If it's an occupation, if it's how you are as a parent, how you are as a communicator etc and we go into those areas hopefully with a wide open um, selection of colors and that we can paint the canvas in any way shape or form we want as Harry Chapin sings the song flowers are red and the chorus to the song because the, the song is about freedom of expression Flowers are red, and green leaves are green. That's the way the flowers always have been seen. Um, and then the the optimistic chorus of the song, because the young man goes from, it's about a boy who's in art class. One teacher teaches him, he, you can only play, paint flowers in green and red. Rows of red and green. Right, and then he goes to this new school, new teacher. There are so many colors in the rainbow, so many colors in the morning sun, so many colors in a flower, and I see everyone. And when the teacher asked him why, 
This is what he said And he said Flowers are red And green leaves are green There's no need to see flowers any other way Than the way they always have been seen But there still must be a way to have our children say There are so many colors in the rainbow So many colors in the morning sun So many colors in the flower And I see everyone So you just paint, you know, it's a kaleidoscope. And so I think that there are people who have that kaleidoscope conversation. And they don't say, well, I've been hurt, so I don't talk about this. And I've been hurt, so I don't go here. And I've been hurt, so I only meet people like on sovereign U.S. soil at the U.S. Embassy at high noon when there's, you know, a police force around. They need security. It is beyond their scope of comfort to be able to, like, meet somebody, go to the theme park, um, meet after 9 o'clock at night, <laughs> meet at somebody's house or otherwise. That's out the window for them because their crux is, well, that's just not safe. And I would say that's fucking stupid because if that was true, DoorDash and delivery of any kind would not exist. Those people come straight to people's doorsteps. Well, I mean, you mean what? They could rob the hell out of those people. Those people are carrying money and goods and services. Well, it's not the same because, you know, you go into their house and you, you have the same exact technology those folks have. A mobile device where all of your conversations go through servers up into the air and they're saved for all times. And I promise you, if anything ever happened to you, they would be able to know exactly where you were and all the communication before that. If that were true, you know, we'd see a lot of Uber drivers and Lyft. We'd just have this plague of people that disappear. Does it happen? Of course it happens. There's people who build a house on a sinkhole. They don't know it, and then their house falls into the ground. Should you be paranoid about that? Well, now you, you think about this. you got this whole genre of people who wouldn't mask up, don't believe in shots, X, Y, Z, and there's cases and deaths and everything else all around them. You can't turn off or on the news and get away from it because the social discussion is going around you. Oh, yeah, so-and-so is sick, and my family this and that and the other, my dog. Yet... You never see stories about people being abducted or whatever, the, right? Very rare, and yet <laughs> it's just on the forefront of their mind. Think about that. How many people get abducted here? Well, uh, you know, 9,000. Okay. How many people are in traffic accidents in your city every day? How many people got murdered? How many people... Well, it's much higher. Well, then should you ask guys if they have guns? If the murder rate is higher than the sex crime rate, then 
I would think that would be the top thing to be concerned about statistically, right? That's, the, that's what makes sense if you're a scientist, if you're a numbers person, if you're looking at the evidence. But if you live in this other fictitious world where you stack arbitrary things that don't have evidence behind them up on one side of the scale and go, this is what I'm going to do, and here's what I'm going to make my decisions. But you're not making decisions based off of evidence. You just make decisions based off of bias and you know, can you do that? Of course. As I said, you have the complete First Amendment protection to your wrong opinion. But, well, it makes me feel safer. Okay, well, great. However, it doesn't line up with the facts, right? So what you believe is not in line with the facts. And to me, and I've covered this, if you believe something that is not the truth, that is not lining up with the facts, then you're being dishonest. To yourself or to other people. Whether or not it makes you feel comfortable has fuck all to do with that. There's a lot of folks who believe they're Sasquatches and flat earth and aliens and whatever else. And to show them that there's no evidence does not make them feel comfortable. But they're still fucking lying. It's dishonest. Because they know there's no evidence. It just fits their genre. It fits their character this is what they want to portray they want they're playing the victim the person who goes into the store and complains y'all did me wrong i can't believe it was not seamless seamless the world's not what is this perfect world that you're living in you know if everything was as smooth as you think it could be right why haven't you, as a person who's been to the job site with my dad for years and years, right? They were they were doing drywall and putting up and doing finishing work, or if it's laying shingles, if it's you know setting trusses, it was just doing foundations and brick and concrete work and whatever. And there's people who'll come and try to tell you what's right and what's wrong about it. And I'm thinking, well, why the fuck are you paying somebody else to do this work? I, apparently you're an expert at this. You have some level of knowledge. Why are you not doing the work? You take your car to the mechanic shop? Yeah. And you tell them how to do the work? Well, why don't you shut the fuck up and let the guy do what you're paying him to do? He's not your butler, man. He's the guy who's got his own insurance and his way he's got to do things to be comfortable with his work. Now, you may not think that it's satisfactory to you, but you could be fucking wrong. And if you want to be the person who is in charge of all of the good, the bad, and the ugly, then jump in, grab a wrench, go to town, and be responsible for it. No, it will not have a warranty, per se, because you're doing all the work yourself, which is the way it used to be. And no, works of passion are not always perfect. Expression is not always perfect. The folks I mentioned about forging things, about people who they sit back and they carve something out of wood, they make something out of clay, they paint on a canvas. It is not a perfect process. So this horse shit that people try to put on you if you're trying to have like a conversation about compatibility or dating or otherwise is God ridiculous because there is no perfect conversation. I'm not feeling this. It's not going the way I thought it was going to go. Thought it was going to go. If you wanted to go a certain way, look in the mirror, say what you need to, reply back to yourself. Problem solved. You want another person. Oh, 
with their own opinion. Yeah. And the funny thing about that is life parallels so many times in front of me. And I'm watching season seven of Seinfeld, and I can't remember if it's the end of seven, the, the beginning of eight. Janine Garofalo plays uh, Jenny Stein, who runs into Jerry Seinfeld and saves his life. And then she talks about how she loves comic books and she orders cereal at restaurants. And Jerry Seinfeld is, you know, he's just in love. And he comes home and he's talking to Kramer and he says, I think I'm in love. Kramer's like, get out of here. <laughs> hey. Did you hear the bank on the corner is offering $100 if you go in there and they don't greet you with a hello? Oh, really? That's nice. Ma, what's with you? I think I'm in love. Oh, come on. No, it's true. This woman saved my life. I was crossing the street. I was almost hit by a car. And uh, then we talked and the whole thing just seemed like a dream. If a guy saved your life, you'd be in love with him too. No, no this woman is different. She's incredible. She's just like me. She talks like me. She acts like me. She even orders cereal in a restaurant. We even have the same initials. Wait a minute, I just realized what's going on. What? Now I know what I've been looking for all these years. Myself. <laughs> I've been waiting for me to come along. And now I've swept myself off my feet. Will you stop it, man. You're freaking me out. <laughs> He says, I found this girl. She's just like me. He's like, what do you mean? He's like, she loves all the same things as me. He says, this is what I've been looking for all these years. Myself. I've swept myself off my feet. And it's just, I think of how hilarious that is to think about because it's it's not what people look for, right? You you need, you do. This is the reason that, I, you know, opposites attract and all those cliche things. But I would not want somebody like me. It doesn't challenge me. It doesn't bring a, a diverse array of things onto my radar on a daily basis. I don't want somebody who looks just like me and, and so forth and so on. I'm not looking for a, a tag team partner or, you know, some person to... Um, if you've ever seen one of my favorite movies, The Prestige... Oh, Christopher Nolan, who does, you know, The Dark Knight and everything else. The Prestige, right? Christopher Nolan directing with Christian Bale, Michael Caine from The Dark Knight movies, right? And then uh, Hugh Jackman. It's the one they're going to remember me for. What happened? It was the greatest magic trick I've ever seen. I need to know how he does it. He has no trick. It's real. Every great magic trick consists of three acts. The first act is called the pledge. The magician shows you something ordinary. But of course, it probably isn't. The second act is called the turn. He's obsessed with discovering your method. The magician makes this ordinary something do something extraordinary. Huh. Now you're looking for the secret. But you won't find it. That's why there's a third act called The Prestige. This is the part with the twists and turns. Where lives hang in the balance. Julie, come on! And you see something shocking you've never seen before. 
this was built by a man who can actually do what magicians pretend to do. Real magic. I know what you really are. How does he do it? You want the truth. Nothing is impossible. It's a movie about magic, and if you know the movie, I'm not going to spoil it for you, even though it's 14 years old now. But um, no, I'm not looking for a double. And so I I welcome people who are not like me, because it always gives me something to talk about with them. I don't, it, it's not a, it's not an unwelcome situation. It's not an unpleasant situation. If you and I don't agree on something, I think that's very healthy because it provides different perspective. It lets you know whether what you're saying is objective or not because there are opposing points of view. And you really can line up what you believe and you think you know, against somebody else who's counterpointing you. And it's one of those things. If you've ever watched Crossfire, and I don't watch ESPN, but I, I know there's a, a, a whole host of shows where... There's two different people who disagree all the time, and that's the whole point of the show. Uh, Skip Bayless or whoever, I see the clips. So, I just, I look for that. I thrive off of that. And I think it, it brings you either a greater sense of security you can think about what you believe and you can give it a litmus test and you can right you can talk about it with somebody <coughs> excuse me who does not agree and you do that and then you have somebody else who is counterpointing you and you may find that they're they're right <laughs> you may find out you were wrong all this time I find that out constantly, and I go do something else to to be right, right? I, I am functioning, at least I hope to be, on the best information that there is. So whatever I might have thought coming into the conversation is not really important. I didn't have that information at some point. Now at some other point in the future, I'm, you know, I may change information again because times change, better information comes along, more research, whatever. It, that's life, man. I am not a person who got out of high school and said, I'm all set. I love learning stuff every day. And that's part of the whole deal that I was talking about when I said going into ownership. And a lot of this is about that. It's taking responsibility. It is that peripheral vision for, are you right? Maybe you're right, but... Continue to challenge yourself and, and figure out you're right, but what, to what degree? And further your knowledge and get in there deeper. You know, people, the whole story that I was telling earlier that, you know, here's somebody telling me, you're an awful person. I can't believe you said that. They didn't even know the other side of it. I said, here's somebody who's challenging me. Here's, here's the amount of responsibility, man hours, you know, stay at home dad and everything that I did, right? Here's somebody who didn't even have a full-grown child. Never had a birth certificate or anything. Not on the census. Nothing. It's not a mom. The ability to produce a kid or have fertilized eggs, right? Just because you fertilize some eggs and then you 
you know, flush them out of your vagina once a month, which still happens, you would be just as much a mom as she was, and you never knew it. Is if you didn't have the pregnancy test, I guess you didn't know. So, you, whatever. There's people who have a pregnancy test that comes up positive, and then later it comes up negative as a false positive. Are they a mom? Are they not a mom? Well, I mean, think about it. Don't be ridiculous. And then when you have both sides of the story, and it was like, oh, you said it in, in a, a defensive kind of way. Kind of, I mean, I'm just saying it in a logistical fashion. And I think that's important to have ownership of, of all the understanding that you can have. Because that, that was fundamentally the conversation that I, I had with the, with the young lady. I said, look. She said, I'm not enjoying this conversation. I said, you brought up something negative, right? Yeah. Did you expect it to turn positive? How did you expect it to be a pleasant conversation if you if you brought up the negative thing? How could it have gone into a positive direction? Um, well, I mean, you you have to think that out because I said you already played this whole conversation out in your head. You said this. I should maybe apologize or something. I don't know what you're looking for, but that's still just like a neutral. It's either negative or neutral conversation. That's not positive. How am I supposed to enjoy that? Because you felt offended for somebody else. <laughs> Fuck that. It wasn't even about you. And it's not. And that's one of the main things that has been a... a you're talking about ownership. That's been one of the main problems that focus groups are, and people in general have had over the last several years. Is you have marches and you know this and that and the other, and you got all these people who are more offended than who would be the victims, and because people don't, they didn't give a fuck to begin with. That's offensive to who? It's offensive to so and so. Well, we asked them, and they don't, they're not offended by it. Well, um, that's the end of it. There's no further discussion or anything else you're offended for them but you're not them that's the ultimate like what is the word now appropriation you're taking on their offended persona that doesn't exist you are a fictional weaker or more uh, what would be the word vulnerable fragile version of their people you're one that gives a fuck about things that their people don't actually give a fuck about. And that's really what that translation is. God, I can't believe what those Romans did to Jesus. Those sons of bitches. For one, that didn't happen, right? Because that was, I mean, it's, it's a bunch of pagan stories. They turned into the the Jesus story. Horus or Attica or you know Mithra or whatever. There's a there's a host of other people born or 
alleged to have existed thousands of years before Jesus. Same birthday, rose after three days, same miracles and everything. They're just pagan. We've got Krishna, who was in India a thousand years before Christ. Krishna was a carpenter, born of a virgin, baptized in a river. Are you saying that was written in history? That was written down in well, history is what you're saying? Absolutely. There's yeah. the, the Persian god Mithra, 600 years before Christ, born December 25th, performed miracles, resurrected on the third day, known as the Lamb, the Way, the Truth, the light, the yeah. Savior, Messiah. Stop! Blasphemer! They turned that Santa Claus story, campfire story, into Jesus at the Council of Nicaea. Constantine, the Roman Pope, oversaw that. They put together a book, bound it up, sold it to you. Some of the stories made it into the Bible. Some of them didn't make it into the Bible. Is there a reason that there's nobody else in the Mesopotamian region in recorded history named Luke and Paul and John and Mary? Yeah, there's a reason. Because it's a fable what it is and you're offended Jesus he he did what number one he didn't exist two what you're offended for some Hebrew guy you're a Christian he wasn't even Christian same stories in all the books it's all the story of Abraham whether it's Judaism Christianity or the Muslim book, the Quran, is based off of Abraham. It's all the same book. It's all the same story. Y'all call it three different religions, and you kill each other. The Battle of Tours <laughs> over the Muslims versus the Christians. It's all the same story. It's just a bunch of people who are offended or taking on the persona of you know these mythical characters. They are. They're pagan myths. As much as me and Robert, and I don't even know if Robert listens to my podcast or not. He's an old high school friend. We spent more time hitting each other in the head with steel chairs than you'll ever imagine. Having fun wrestling. We'd argue about whatever. Robert was a huge fan of Taz and ECW and Stone Cold Steve Austin. And I was a guy in 1997. I saw The Rock and I, f I fell in love with The Rock. But I, I did, you know, The Rock, there was just certain things that were just like, that's cool. And it was, like that was, you know, that was the thing. You smell what The Rock is cooking? Laying the smackdown. And here we are 25 years later. Yeah, I love The Rock. I've watched it most of my life, you know, and I recognize things like that. And for some of my friends have, I've known John, I guess, about 20 years now. When I saw Brock Lesnar and Randy Orton and some of these guys, like right away, I was like, oh. Just, it's an instinctual thing where I read people. And this thing that people do where they attach themselves to, nowadays it would be like your Harry Potter, your Marvel, DC. You attach yourselves to characters. And they do. They dress up. They have outfits. They go to the Renaissance Festival, the cosplay, the Comic-Con, whatever. As much as people used to have toga parties. As much as people reenact um, the nativity scene or whatever else from Christianity. They are, they're, they're doing a play. They're doing Shakespeare. And there's nothing really wrong with the scope of that story if you're in the story 
and you are playing along with the storyline. But when you come out of that and start hating people in the real world and being offended at things in the real world as if you're part of some narrative that's going on, you don't get to personify other people. As much as that girl was not a mother, you're not whatever some white person, right? You are not the minority group that you're pretending to be offended for. That is appropriation beyond anything else. You've taken their place. You're going to absorb their pain and suffering, which doesn't exist in many, many cases for different reasons, but people have spoken up and said, we don't care. You know, there's Indian tribes who spoke up and they said, we don't like the Redskins. And they don't like the Redskins. There was other ones who didn't give a damn. Florida State's still going to be the Seminoles. Atlanta's still going to be the Braves. And there's a host of other people. I don't see any people from the LGBTQRSTUV community running at the University of Hawaii and going, you can't be the Rainbow Warriors. Why? It's what they are. And nobody cares. Shouldn't. What's the guy's name from the movie? Howard the Duck? Should he get mad at them people up in Oregon? You can't be the ducks! You know, it's just, it's it's stupid. It would make for a good little, like, funny skit somewhere. Because it's so unbelievable. But now, like, people have become this, the Truman Show is going on around you. Where people believe they're trapped in this world of social media and Facebook and everything else. And they are like this central character who can just do all these wildly illogical things. But under the guise of freedom or whatever, they believe they can be offended. They have to be comfortable, have to be safe but they can be easily offended by things that don't make sense. And it's this strange mixture. And that's when when I started putting together the notes on what I thought, here's, here's ownership, right? And ownership means a lot of things in a very intricate, and I'm not going to go into all of it right here, but the, the synopsis was to be an owner, you would be invested in your community. Right, you own real property, land you have to take care of, a yard, you know, maintenance that is yours. If you're a renter, you don't have all that shit. You just don't. You, they have a maintenance man. You know, you can walk away from it. Your lease ends. You know, you turn the car back in. Whatever. You're you're renting things as much as you do Uber, and then you get out of the car. You don't have to maintain the car, the gas, the mileage, the insurance. Have a good driving record. That's somebody else's responsibility. You pass off the responsibility. And that's what being offended is. It's passing off the responsibility to somebody else to make you feel better. You can't shame me. Well, let me let me ask you. Of all the things you heard about women don't get equal pay, and then here's a group of people who's not treated equally or treated fairly or otherwise, right? I never, ever heard anything about insurance prices. Michael, whatever do you mean? Well, how come health insurance for the guy who is on my 600-pound life costs more? 
Why is it okay for them to charge him more on the health insurance? Are they fat shaming him? Or is that just real scientific risk? There was a guy. I wish I knew where that from. It is. It's from the Bullshit series with Penn and Teller. I'll write this down. I'll find it and put the clip in here if I still have it. Where um, he's talking about how it's acceptable to go up to somebody in a bar who's smoking a cigarette as I'm smoking this cigar and <laughs> to tell them, hey, don't you know that's bad for you? Put that cigarette out. Surgeon General's warning, XYZ. You essentially can shame them or at least get on their case about smoking. Why is it not okay to go over to a large person who's ordering dessert and say to them, hey, don't you know that's going to you know raise your blood pressure and kill your cholesterol and it's going to shorten your life? And like, Put that down. And for God's sakes, get up and do some exercise. But, you know, he asked at what point would that be acceptable, which we never got to that point. But smoking, oh man, you know, we can tell people it's bad to smoke. And you could tell them, you know, hey, secondhand smoke. Why do you think your health insurance rates are so high? It's from people who don't take care of themselves. It's from irresponsible parties. It's, you know, it's some of it is undocumented people. Some of it is people who are not financially capable of paying their health insurance bills. Often, it all goes back to the most common thing, being that people just don't take care of themselves. Why do you think your dental insurance is the way it is? That's crazy. Because the average person goes to the dentist and, you know, the people who need it, they turn in all this crap. And raise the rates, and then they can't pay, and then they cancel their insurance. And who's left with the debt? You are. Same thing with the large person who's got health insurance. With somebody of color or otherwise who might have had hypertension problems, or at least that's statistically something that runs through different demographics on the census, right? So this demographic of people traditionally dies earlier. So their life insurance policy costs more. Oh my God. That's right. They're not being treated equal. Well, it's all math. What do you want me to say? It really boils down to as much as your credit score plays into them giving you a mortgage. Yes, the number that's on the scale plays into how much it costs you for health insurance. That's ownership of the entire regimen of your life. Are you taking care of yourself? Well, I've been drinking and smoking and sitting here sedentary and now I weigh 300 pounds. I cannot believe they're charging me more for my life insurance and my health insurance. And what else costs more? Is your food bill higher? Well, yeah. And your doctor visits have probably been a little more intrusive, right? Because you got to see a gastrologist and, uh, you know. Well, yeah. Do you think that's all linked to one thing, you know? I mean, it's just silly to, to ignore those things. And nobody takes the discussion there because they want to talk about something else. They want to go, no, it's not fair. We're going to fix these things. Okay, well, what if some of those things are based off of numbers? Well, that's not fair. 
numbers lie. Well, if you believe numbers are a lie and people fuck with statistics, then go fight for the insurance side of things. Tell them to raise, to, you know, raise everybody else's insurance or lower the obese person's insurance. You want to tell me that they need to change a social norm because of how somebody is looked at. Well, people are looked at as criminals. Are they? What do the statistics show? Well, that's not fair. What do the statistics show about overweight people? Well, I mean... As George Carlin says about the sanctity of life, we get to pick and choose the things we find are sacred. As it, um, so many different people have used this. I believe I saw Bloomberg in an interview. It was the first time I saw it, and then I looked it up, and I didn't realize how often it had been used. But it was, the quote was, you're entitled to your own opinion, but you're not entitled to your own facts. And, and again, Senator Harris, you're entitled to your opinion. You're not entitled to your own facts. Ownership to me means people who take responsibility for the things that are in front of them. If you introduce something negative into a conversation and then you're uncomfortable with the conversation, I would say you should have started off positive so you were going click, click, click up the roller coaster. <laughs> so when it dips down and slings into a fucking loop-de-loop, you have enough momentum to get on back out the other side of the roller coaster. That's the reason that people who are in human resources and other walks of life, this is a very, very common professional tactic. If you've never heard it, please adopt it and use it. Go talk to people whom you need to coach or coerce or you need to give them valuable feedback for improvement. A warning, a last... <laughs> give them the last rights. You know, what you're trying to do is correct something that wasn't perfect. Okay. And what you do to introduce that conversation is, hey, how are you doing? Really good work on the whatever, whatever. Tell you what, that's good work. But here's something we could look at. And then you introduce the thing that could use improvement. Now you have good work to parallel it to. And you have incentivized them because they're people who thought they were going to do good work, that they can do good work, and then, you know, hey, if you'll do this and correct this, <laughs> here's your future. And incentivize it. But if all you do is introduce the negative thing and go, do this or else, it's really ugly. There's no optimism in that whatsoever. Why the fuck would they want to change? You didn't say anything nice to them. There's a lot of people who think you don't have to do that. You can just be negative. But that's just silly. It just is. There's a reason a manager doesn't come over to fix stuff at a table where, you know, you're at a restaurant, something's wrong. He doesn't walk over to your table and go, what the f what do you guys want? Hey, how's everybody doing tonight? <laughs> Can I get a little feedback from you or is, is there something that's unpleasant? Okay. And my question always was, <coughs> what can I do to make you happy? Some people don't know. And that's the crux of the problem. That's the ownership problem that I have had with conversational folks, with, with any kind of somebody trying to talk to you to get to know you, to date you, or otherwise is the, the classic, I don't know you, X, Y, Z. 
Okay. What do you want to know? What'll make you happy? What'll make you more comfortable? Well, I don't know. Then fuck you. <laughs> I mean, it's not that I'm not willing to work with you. I just gave you that open artistic canvas that I'm talking about. I gave you the raw materials. I gave it to you raw. And I just, you know, and then you don't know what to do with it. You don't know what you're looking for. Well, that's fine. We can find our way in the dark. But the reality is, if you want someone who is compatible with you to be able to reach goals in a year, five years, ten years, whatever, somebody's got to have a vision. We can't just give each other a group project with no goddamn idea what the assignment is. We ain't going anywhere. And that's what it's like when you're someone who doesn't take ownership. You don't have any stake in the outcome. So... We're all fucked. And you got so many people who run around and try to stick up for other people, but they haven't put together themselves, as Jordan Peterson says. You might have noticed the picture of me and Dr. Jordan B. Peterson on my timeline. I got to see, meet, hang out with him. Um, two weeks ago, on Friday night, and uh, in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. He's a good cat, and um, gave a great lecture. He sat down for all the VIPs afterwards and, and had an extra chat. Um, <laughs> I've never seen him getting mad at anybody. These guys were cleaning the balcony of the Ovens Arena in, in, in Charlotte, and they were making too much noise because we're sitting, we're all, I don't know, there's 150 or 200 of us, whatever, sitting in the lower arena, and and they were making noise, just sweeping the floor. And they're just talking, as they do, because they're workers, and they're trying to make the day go by. But we're down there having, like, an intellectual discussion about, you know, fixing the, the college system in America. And <laughs> these guys are up there talking about whatever they're talking about, and the women, too. And he's like, hey, guys! <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> he didn't have his tour manager. He didn't have security. Somebody else do it. He yelled at him. Um, in a constructive way, in a nice way, but um, it's just I, it's just interesting to see that. Like he he took ownership, and it was nice. I mean, you know, the whole point of most of his rules for life. You know, he's got two books now uh, that are they're out. I think he has forty eight total rules. You should expect four total books, is my prediction. But um. You know, one of his more famous things is clean up your room. You know, you got no business telling people how to conduct themselves or perform or, you know, what they do in their affairs, in their choices, how to run the world. How are you going to tell us how to run the world? You don't even have your act together. You haven't cleaned up your room. Very true, you know. These people going to therapy and on anti-anxiety medications and the other chemical things that are helping them to balance and get through the day to, to find maybe peace, maybe happiness. And they're going to tell you about stability. Fuck that. It's just, it's just ugly to think about those ingredients being put into, you know, the, if you made a, a recipe with that, it would be awful. Be like the pie at the end of that thinner movie. You know, whoever eat this pie gonna die quick, but they die clean. You know, or whatever the guy said, the old, the old gypsy. 
Somebody got to eat this pie, and soon. Everyone who eat pie die quick and bad. You got somebody? Yes. Yeah, you got somebody. But why you don't do right? Eat your own pie. Guy, you know, and I just, I think about many of the, because I get my information from other folks. I don't just eat pizza and crap this out. I go gather information from other places. You read, you listen, you observe. You take that and that becomes your philosophy. Which is great. It's especially great if you have good, entertaining, reliable, is that a good word? Well-informed sources. But the problem that you run into with so many folks is they don't care where information came from. They're not looking to validate it. They, I heard it on Facebook. And as, as Dr. Peterson was saying, he's, you know, the, the problem with a lot of that is there's no barrier of entry. It doesn't cost anybody anything to, to just spray conspiracy theories out on the internet and then continue to be behind those and broadcast those and, and you know reinforce them every single day. So people who are unfortunately um, uncomfortable, they're confrontational, they're delusional, they can just feed that character that they're playing them against the world forever. And they can cosplay or you know you, you pick your villain, your story, but they have their favorites and that's what they're acting out. They're not taking real world ownership of anything. They live in, you know, they, they have ownership. They own a plot on the corner of nowhere and nowhere in fantasy land. And they want you to come live there <laughs> when they're with them. And I just don't. Like, I, I genuinely love that I own my. Home, I look, you know, and yeah, I work too, I do, it's too many hours, it's extremely taxing on my body, uh, mentally and physically. Um, sedentary is a good word, to, to sit down that many um, hours a week. I do a lot of standing up and talking and stuff, and you know, probably should get a standing desk and take responsibility for that. But I just, I'm very conscious of it, and so, you know, the first step, as I... <laughs> As I said to my, to my ex, I said the first, this is the cliche, is the first step in solving a problem is recognizing that there is one. <laughs> so, I know there's one, um, you know, and, and I should spend more time on the elliptical downstairs or get outside and, and get some more sun. But it's it, it really becomes like on a night like tonight, I'm going to record this podcast, it's almost midnight, and I'll get just enough sleep so that I don't um, phone it in, which is a funny term to use for work. But I don't. Um, I'll have just enough energy to to feel that I am doing uh, that I'm performing at a decent level when I go to work tomorrow. I'm not there to just show up and collect 
money. I mean, it's, it's all overtime after Wednesday for me. Thursday and Friday are, you know, completely extra hours, more money, et cetera, et cetera. I, I feel a level of shame and irresponsibility and a lack of ownership if I'm not giving them the best that I can, well, you know, the best that I can possibly give them, but it's just one of those things that I just think that um, is maybe less common. I think the number is 8,675 today. How many days since June 16th, 1998? It's the first day I ever started working. Still never missed a day. No calling in sick, no absence, no nothing. And I... I don't know. I, I don't see that I'll ever miss a day. I don't care if I'm as old as my parents or 66. Um, which I got a ways to go to get there. But I got a quarter century to go to get there. But I still don't foresee ever missing a day for any reason. I mean, they'll have to, you know, medically write me out of work or or something else. And it'll be over. But... That's my ownership to myself. That's my responsibility and owning a home and keeping it in good shape. And it's getting warm enough that I can paint and do a few other projects. And that's part of, you know, I don't have a maintenance team to come do that stuff. I'm not going to pay somebody else to come do the trade work around my house that I can, number one, I can already do it. Two, you can grab a book. Go look on YouTube. Go ask somebody else. Go to one of these workshops for DIY. Take ownership of any kind of project. Hone your skills. Develop your skills. Practice them. Master them. Help somebody else with it. You know, you have that information, then you can pass it on to your kids. Which is what being a father is, you know. it's. But I... I'll tell you what being a mother is. <laughs> I haven't shared this story. I get wound up about it, so I'll tell it. As quickly as I can tell it. It's probably been two or three months that I own a, I have owned, and I'm not going to badmouth them, I have owned Western Digital hard drives, external hard drives, for many years. I think the first one I bought was 168 gigs, gigs, back in 2001 with my children's mother. We bought it at Best Buy for about $170. So you paid almost a dollar per per gig back then. Now we're gonna fast forward here. The last one I got, and I think my brother might have given it to me, but I have a six terabyte Western Digital external hard drive. It's got everything. It's got all my music, all my movies, all my pictures, everything. And I would go to click on a directory, and it would kind of load, but it would take a long time to load. And I was like, oh, the computer's running slow. Then I began to think maybe the hard drive's running slow. So I looked at some computers because I'm I'm making money, I'm saving money, I buy a computer, right? I looked at hard drives because I thought, well, maybe it's the hard drive, so I'll replace the hard drive. Well, yeah, but I don't want to replace the hard drive if it's the computer. Like I genuinely just, you know, I'm looking for an excuse to buy another computer. So I put this off because I don't see the deal that I want. Finally, a couple of weeks ago, I bought a Seagate because that was the better deal. Ten terabytes Seagate. Bought a new external hard drive. I'm going to start moving stuff. I'm just going to drag, highlight, all right. 
copy. Control C. I'm go over to Seagate. Control V. Paste it. Done, right? I'm just going to sit back and watch all these files move. I have waited too long. And the hard drive has many issues. Like a record that has scratches and it skips when you play it. It's like that. I mean, that's what a hard drive is. It's a big wheel that runs around and around. And it has errors in it. And so it will not allow me to access like my movie folder. Where all my movies and everything I've collected are. But I said, that's what you get for downloading movies. <laughs> well, I understand that philosophy. However... Uh, it was giving me errors when I was going to move my pictures, like my pictures, my irreplaceable pictures that I can't go download or watch them on Netflix or whatever else. My pictures of my kids and memories and whatever else. So I have been losing my cool trying to, I I think I've, I've got, I think I have the last of the pictures. If not, I've got maybe one more, but I've got them slowly transferring right now my brother gave me great advice he's a he's a big wig at a big place if you know me outside the show you know who he is and where he's at but um he's he said look i don't do recovery i don't know anything about that <laughs> i said okay what do you recommend he said copy it paste it if it looks like it's going to take forever just let it sit there it'll work itself out he said he said, that's the best advice I can give you. Just just leave it there and let it work. So I've been doing that for, since last Thursday, I've been doing it for a fucking week now. I think it's going to take forever. Um, even this one folder that I'm, <laughs> I'm moving right now, I'm looking at the screen, it says more than one day. It's, it's going to take a while. But... I don't. I think I'm gonna end up with. I, I may end up with all my pictures, which I I can settle with if I have to go <laughs> rebuild my music collection, uh, which was like ninety seven thousand songs. If I have to rebuild my movies, whatever, I will do that. But one of the, some of the things that are in those music files are my old entrance songs from when I wrestled, and they're custom made. Like I went in and. I edited them different ways, and I'm trying to think if there are copies of those songs anywhere else in the world. Because I would, I don't want to lose those if I can get, if I can get them. But um, now it's been a, it's been an interesting time here at the Craver House because, um, as much as I have been putting logging a lot of hours of work and keeping the house in great order and just taking ownership of my life. I really wish I would have taken ownership of that hard drive problem the day I saw it. Um, I encourage you, if you see a problem in your personal relationship with your kids, with the car, whatever it is, jot it down, do some homework, and, and jump on it right away. Because... Um, I'm not out of the woods yet. I have the potential to lose a lot of photographs that I've accumulated over the last 20-some years. I think I have my wrestling photos already, but I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot of stuff for my, my kids and other stuff that's, you know, just it's nowhere else. So there's a bunch of highlights that I've put, and this is the blessing of this. Because I own some of those digital picture frames, 
and they'll hold however much, 500 pictures or something. There's a lot of highlights of of different things that are on those little, you have little SD cards that slide into the picture frame. So those have a few of the, um, the highlights, the, you know, the, the all-star pictures, so to speak, that are not anywhere else. But it's all those little ones that are not on there that I really love. You know, the kids are playing with the wrestling belts or they're playing the Nintendo Wii, which is what, you know, those of you who've if you got young kids, I cannot recommend enough. Like a Nintendo Wii with Wii Sports or Wii Sports Resort. Is that the other one? And the, I don't know. It was a wonderful thing. I don't, you know, I know the kids now use the um, with the Nintendo Switch. It's not the same, not in any way, shape, or form. Like there, there's just something different about getting up, moving, not being sedentary, um, being physical. I mean, I've I've always appreciated that, and. I'm not saying anything. Nick, you hear this? It is what it is. But there's a reason different people in the family look different ways. And I'm not 250 pounds by choice. I probably should be 235. But um, most of that comes from spending countless hours on a soccer field, a trampoline, hitting. I was very, very fortunate, and I haven't done an episode on my dad, but I'm going to. When I grew up, my dad built us a batting cage, full-blown batting cage in the backyard, 70 feet long, batting cage net, pitching machine, Bermuda grass in it. It was fucking mm, one one of the best blessings I ever had because now I have a dartboard, which is not the same, but I can't tell you how much focus and stress and just peace there was in my life back then just you just go out there and you load the machine up turn the switch hit 34 balls and turn it off load it up hit them again i must have hit three four hundred balls every night or more i don't know that was damn good you know um i got out of wrestling for the same reason i didn't i never wanted to travel around and do anything i like we're I don't mind living in the same place, not having to catch a bus or a train or a, an airplane. I've been some beautiful places, temporarily traveling, but I wouldn't want that to be my my um, <clears throat> lifestyle. And I think that it's just become, you know, that's something I have. You talk about ownership. That's one of those things that I have owned. Like, okay, I made the choice not to pursue um, wrestling. And to continue to wrestle when I could have, or several other trades, you know, <laughs> I'd be a vice president of some restaurant company right now if I didn't choose to be a stay-at-home dad for those prime like five years when they were putting me into salary management back then. And that's fine. I'm I'm all right with that, you know. But I knew that when I gave it up. I knew where I was going and, and the lay of the land and, and kind of looked at it and said, oh, but Michael. And I said, it'll be all right. It just will. I. That's one of those things where you start having a conversation that you think is negative and, and we need to settle something. You need to get some off your chest. That's fine. 
I approach every conversation with that same mantra. It's going to be all right. You come to me with something. Michael, I can't believe you said this on a podcast. If my family heard that, I mean, what would they think? Well, if they know me, they probably wouldn't be surprised. And now that there's like 60s whatever episodes at this point, I don't know what's supposed to surprise people. That I told the truth. That I don't put things into this empathetic box and just give people a free fucking pass. No. I think there are certain qualifications you have to meet, and those are the things that I look at if I was going to have a partner for dating or otherwise. The simple questions, right? Transport. What's your transportation situation? You buy it, lease it, bum it, rent it, own it, right? What's your living situation? Are you living with your ex? Are you, you know, at the halfway house? Are you, you know, I'm just getting out of jail, you know, <laughs> whatever it is. Um, but those, the answer will potentially disqualify you. Let's be very clear. It's not just an exploratory question where every answer flies with a, you know. Just answering does not get you credit. Um, And then your living situation is also tied into what's your occupation? How do you pay your bills? What do you do? Well, you know, I'm not working. Oh. Mm. 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 Take ownership. Well, I'm a parent. I was a stay-at-home dad. I didn't always want to be in that relationship. I stayed a long time for the kids. Made sure my ex got out of nursing school before I thought about, you know. I I helped you build a security net around that household for if I wasn't there. Because I was pretty sure I was leaving. And so I thought that was the responsible thing to do. Um, I just... I think that a lot of folks don't know what questions they want to ask or that they need. They don't um, use the tools that are right in front of them. Add people. Add them as a friend on social media or whatever else. Exchange voice messages and pictures and have a telephone call. And You can bring up something that's unpleasant. But if it blows up in your face, just remember you're responsible for bringing up something that's unpleasant. How you present that, whether you do the roller coaster and go, positive, 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 negative. Whether you do that in an artistic way or, um, let's say, uh, a fluid way is up to you. I mean, I can tell you that I have, part of my job, I have very unpleasant conversations on a daily basis with people. I had some very ugly ones today. People respected me because I treated them with goddamn humility. Yeah, they were, some some of the times, they were wrong. But that's okay. It's okay to be wrong. I've been wrong a lot. But there is responsibility in the situation we're talking about. And if you bear the responsibility, I've got to hold you to it. And if it's mine, you, you hold me to it and I'll own it. Because that's what ownership's all about. It's not about that kid, you know, I don't know that philosophy is the right word when you're dealing with this, but what is it that uh, 
younger, when you're younger, you know, you say the, oh, it bounces off me and sticks to you like glue, rubber, whatever, the, you know, no take backs, no erases or whatever that's in the Dumb and Dumber movie. I just, <laughs> that's not how it works when you're an adult. There is evidence. As I spoke about earlier in this episode, there is evidence. And it will determine a variety of different outcomes. You may end up very satisfied and you may be very dissatisfied. But as I've said, you know, we're still alive. It's going to be all right. I just don't... <laughs> I don't have a way to take that piece, that in a P-E-A-C-E, that piece that's inside of me, and duplicate it and hand it to you. It's something you really, really have to take ownership of. You have to develop for yourself. Are you going to be at peace with yourself? If you bring up a really unpleasant conversation, it blows up in your face. It destroys the relationship you have or the relationship you could have. Are you all right with that? Well, I'm just unhappy. Did you do everything you could to try to accept the other person or to try to make some sort of common ground possible? Did you, you considered that this could go sideways, right? Well, how important is it that you can let this go sideways and, and then work in other areas so that this is only a small part of your overall happiness. Maybe you really don't agree with something, for instance, that I said. I can't believe you said that. That's one of a hundred things I said, so you don't like one percent. Mm. So are you looking for somebody perfect, or do you have more than one percent to, you know... But some people are going to do that. They're going to hold on to that one thing. This is not perfect. You know. And that's how they approach... It's one of the possible ways that people have tried to criticize things like the Bible. Well, this isn't true, so none of it's true. Well, that's just... <laughs> it's not how you go about that. It's not an effective way that I've seen to go about it. To say that, you know, here, this one piece of the puzzle doesn't fit here. Does that mean the rest of the pieces don't fit? Well, no, there's a handful more, and I guess it could be one of these possibilities. But, oh, so the rest of it is still intact, stable, and reliable. Oh, we just haven't worked the kinks out yet. You could have 700 feet of yarn, and it would make a big fucking ball. And if you've got 698 feet untangled and you're working on the last two, guess what? You're almost there. And even if you didn't untangle the last two, you got some scissors, cut that shit off. You still got 698 feet of yarn. Like what? What's good enough for you, man? You know, are your standards a little unrealistic? Because I, I guess because I'm a math and science guy, I'm able to do that and just look at it in terms of numbers and chop it off. But what... Life ain't perfect, I, I, and so I don't know where this universe is that you could approach like the overall endeavors of your life into these sort of wild, every piece of the pie is cut perfectly, symmetrically, tastes the same, same number of apples in it, same crispy crust, you know, that's not how quality assurance works.
based on averages. <laughs> and so are insurance numbers and so many other things that we do in this United in the United States, in this democratic nation. And it's a shame when people try to uh, lie with statistics when they try to be selfish and, and manipulate. Well, I mean, they can say that, you know, the 1% matters to them, but should it really matter to them? Or you're basing your happiness on something that is unrealistic. It's it's certainly not statistically viable. I'll put it that way. So, I, I I do I just I think that taking ownership of how you approach a conversation, of how you go about fixing your house, cleaning up your room, all of these ideas that I've shared here, are universal pieces of a a beautiful puzzle of happiness. If you're able to look at folks in the eye and say, okay, is there hope? Yeah, there's hope. Is there something you don't like? Yeah, I don't like this. Okay. How significant is that? And when I'm asking, as a math and science guy, how significant of a percentage is that? Not what does it mean to you, because this is the only issue that this is the only issue that matters. I'll never vote for him. Oh. He beat everybody else out in every other issue. Yeah, but he's not. You know, and there's folks who are going to be like that, but it doesn't make any sense. If it's for the jury system and that one person hung out, <laughs> not guilty, hung jury. However, in your case, <laughs> it's not a hung jury or a mistrial or whatever. It's that you, you know, you you are the one person who thinks that you control everything and and it's those control factors those freaks those it's just sad they get so far out there and we live in this independent world where you can pay your own bills and you can put a fence up around your house and you don't have to be anybody but you you can live in your own little fairy tale kingdom and have unicorns in the living room and a man cave full of beer and duff beer and batman and you know whatever you do however if you want us all ownership as a as an idea, if you're an owner of your home, the people on the block around you are subject to how you, their property value is subject to how you take care of your home. If you let your home get dilapidated, turn into a dump, uh, a salvage yard or whatever, they can go down to the city or you know the municipality or whatever, and they can ask that you be fined and, and make you clean it up, et cetera, et cetera. You may not like that because maybe you want to live in a in a pigsty, as my mom would say. But the reality is their property value goes down because of you. When you don't take care of your body and you're overweight and you drive up the medical costs, et cetera, et cetera, we all pay for it. I promise you. Because the insurance company that you pay to cover this and that and the other is going to change the rates for everybody because it affects their books at large. They don't have a special set of accounting practices just for you. It's a shared expense across the company, and they will apply that to the other policyholders, to the other people with insurance. That's how it goes. We all share. If you 
throw lead in the river and everybody downstream drinks it, <laughs> they all get cancer. You might be rid of your lead problem, but it went somewhere else. And people don't own it, man. They bring up negativity. They act offended. They, they coerce. They manipulate. They develop this toxic environment that often was not there. And they don't take ownership of that. They just feel ugly inside, and they've figured out a way. As much as Charles Whitman stood on the tower in Houston and shot 15 people in the head, somebody else will get upset about some social issue, and they will hammer it into your brain that we as Americans, as white people, as whatever you have as your target, right? those people are now targets. They are going to become your victims of your unhappiness. And as you reflect your ugliness out into the world, I just got done watching Mirrors with Kiefer Sutherland. As, as you reflect your ugliness and put those evil intentions, spirits, it is, it's an evil mindset. And you feed that to people. As much as it's a bad recipe for you, it's a bad recipe for them. You're sickening everybody. It's a mental sickness that you're giving them. And it's a shame because if you wanted mental health in this country to improve, <laughs> say hello to each other. Hey, how you doing? Let me get the door for you. What are you guys doing tonight? Yes, that's a you know what you go down to this restaurant, it's a great place, et cetera, et cetera. Yes, great. Maybe there's people in the class who are not doing their homework. Pair them off with somebody who is doing their homework, who's excelling and has some extra time. Hey, you're done with your work. Can you sit back there with so-and-so and see if you can pass off some of that knowledge? Oh, come on, man. I wanted to sit here and... Hey, I promise you that you'll have a better community when you get older if you'll bond with these people now. <laughs> Those are the people who are going to bring the community down. It's that weakest link. And the more that the people who are strong reach down or they reallocate, they take their resources, and just like you give close to goodwill, you give money to, I give money to the mission, to the Sierra Club, to whatever. Those are your ways to quote-unquote give back. However... When you don't, and you don't interact with them with your knowledge and your resources and <laughs> your good information, I promise you there is a toxic segment of the population that we could have been incorporating, we could have been buddying up with, and those folks are redistributing, repackaging, and they're pumping that ugly conspiracy theory, victimhood, all that horseshit out around them. As strong as you may be, I promise you that all they're spreading this conversational virus. And it's very, very hard for anybody to be happy because we have these people who are just polluted inside. Like they, they may be beyond repair. And we can't just take them out behind the barn and do the old yeller. So, you know, we can't do the Shawn Michaels and Ric Flair. But you could 
try to have a real conversation. But as long as you acknowledge and you're, as long as you give some kind of weight, credence, consideration to their wild theories, things that we that are obviously false, you can't have any real progress. This is based on a lie. And that's the whole point of, of the way that I've lived my life for a, a good while now. Is you, if you live, you know, based on a lie, then you, it's like that argument. Was, yeah, hey, this is not true, so none of it's true. It, you know, and that's, that's the way people look at it. Oh, Nickelback sucks. And then you have other people who are like, no, nah, man, they had that song, Rockstar and Photograph. And, you know, they're thinking positive, you're thinking negative. I don't, you don't like Nickelback? Don't listen to him. You don't like Joe Biden? You know, work from home. Well, we can't all work from home. Da, 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 da. Well, I would tell you to have some insight next time and think about world policies and X, Y, Z and vote accordingly. You let folks get around and spread that conversational virus, and here is the result of that. You got wild gas prices and crazy world events, and, you know, why? Because we didn't take the time to have a conversation and incorporate good and bad and balance it out from the top down. We let the people at the bottom just, you know, it's like um, an alligator does. They wrap a guy up, take him down to the bottom for the death roll. As, as you know, talking about Crocodile Dundee. And... Um, they leave you underwater, and then they go back and eat you later once you're tenderized. And it's a shame because the people who are able to do that um, really do dictate the future. If you let them, it's like letting something get out of control. You let the people burn the city down, you're going to have to spend your budget rebuilding the city for a long, long time. You mean all because... Yeah. They undid all of that fucking progress. That's why in the the old mythical stories, right, they killed the firstborn child and so they don't have to fight the next generation. They've set you back a generation. These people have set you back however much in, in terms of money, in terms of social structure, in terms of however far you may have come with your fuel dependence or independence. And when you don't have those things on your radar and you're just thinking, eh, I'm doing fine, I promise you, it's not going to turn out fine. Naivety is, is just, you're asking, you know, subconsciously. Naivety is subconsciously asking for trouble because you have the opportunity to get to know neighbors, to develop your own resources, to to be an upbeat, well-informed, whatever person. Hey, you want to date me? Yeah, well, here's what you should know. Well, hold on now. How about telling me what you're looking for? And that's the problem. People don't trust each other from the beginning. So it's, it's like if you put out there, here's what I'm looking for, people can take that and just... Tell a story. Oh, I'm exactly all of those things. 
and they can lie to you based on that information. But if you are, you know, you run the risk. You, I mean, you do. Now, people weed themselves out rather quickly if you know how to scrutinize them, how to put them through a test or two, and then figure the rest of it out. That's why you hire somebody who lies on their resume XYZ. Of course, you can fire them because they lied on their resume. You can break up with somebody for the same reason. But that's the reason people go through a probationary period. And so, are you sleeping with people right away? That's really up to you. But if you're not, maybe it's because you haven't asked the questions that are necessary for that. Or they're in that hypothetical probationary period. And I understand, you know, whatever choice you make, these are all possibilities. Some people are going to do, you know, I'm a very fluid, trial-by-fire kind of person. If it feels right, try it out. Dive in a little faster than you should. But that's crazy. Eh, probably saves you a lot of time in the end. I don't know that... Um, <laughs> I don't believe that just being nice for a week or six weeks or whatever it would be and never having unpleasant conversations or not being confrontational or not trying to sleep with somebody or whatever would render some long-term. I don't, I don't think the end result changes based on that. I feel that I'm trying to, um, in a in a personal way, I would be more apt to develop some kind of system that finds you a compatibility answer faster. I would encourage folks, talk about something that you don't find pleasant and see what happens with the other person. See if they get mad, see if they agree with you, see if you can, you know, oh, okay, I can tolerate listening to that person. If you can only tolerate listening to that person because you have, you know, a house with them, and there's money riding on the line, or you're sleeping with them, so, oh, I don't want to lose that. That's not a genuine, I don't feel that you have an objective conversation, because you're basing whatever your happiness is on this other thing. Now, you can you can make the point that an overall relationship is going to have all these things, and you would be more apt to forgive somebody or to put up with their, <laughs> if they make a lot of money or they're, you know, buying you gifts or they're, whatever they do to be romantic or raise your kids or good in bed or whatever you're, whatever you put on the scale, that, that has more value to you, right? So you need to explore all these areas so that you're looking for something that you can use as your um, uh, high card, your ace to throw on the scale and go, ah, this other stuff really sucks, but this thing right here, <laughs> I, I feel like, mm -mm. I don't look at it that way. I'm not trying to disqualify people either. And my intention is not to disqualify people and end up alone. I, that would not be my overall intention. I, I would have full-on intention of how compatible can we be? Is that pretty acceptable? Yeah. Okay, well, as you take on new life experiences together, how likely are you to enjoy that experience? No matter what you may think about it, she's going to be scared of roller coasters, you're going to be, you know, bored at the opera, whatever. Are you going to enjoy making those memories together? Well, I remember that night. Man, that, that band really sucked. But 
you know, I got to go out with my girl. She dressed up nice. She had a good time. So, <laughs> and that's the thing. Can you enjoy somebody else's happiness? And how much does that weigh into whether you're incompatible? Maybe you're not going to like a situation. I wouldn't like that. Hmm. Okay, I understand that part of it. But would you enjoy being a couple? Half of, you know, if you only like it 25% of your 50%, you like it half and she likes a whole half, that's that's 75%. You're kind of 50-50 on it. Uh, Well, she's 100%, so now you got 150 out of 200, you got 75%. Hmm. Well, hmm. But if only what you care is what matters, right? Then I guess you're just going to throw her overboard. And that's one of those ownership questions. Like, how much do you care about the other person's happiness? You confront me with a problem. I don't, it's a problem. It exists. It's, especially if it's something that happened in the past. What do you, you want me to change it? I can't change the past. I can't believe you did this thing. Oh. What do you want me to do about it? Uh, well, I mean... Okay. End of discussion. <laughs> I, I know how you feel about it. Um, you know, I, I, like I genuinely just... I, I have a huge problem with... Sabotage. I think there is a, a large scope of, of folks, and this is why you have the political parties in the different percentages of happiness or you know control of the government or whatever they have that you have people who are more motivated than not and the people who are happy and complacent and they're <laughs> are not as motivated to stir up shit and be out there and and put themselves in danger they feel pretty stable about stuff they're not out there looking for fighting for a cause Ain't got that much time on their hands, right? They're tied to a job or otherwise, like me. And so, do you not get as many podcasts from me? Yeah, no. Is it a lot to think about? Yeah, I, I think it is. It takes me a long time to figure some of this shit out. And, I, you know, it may be simple for somebody else. It's not for me. Um, I, I genuinely think to myself that what I run up against at large, um, like in the world, is... I don't look for people that are only going to make me happy. I mean, I get into situations specifically because I'd like to know if I'm right or wrong. I'd like to know if I really should be feeling like I'm settled on this issue and there's, you know, there's not much more to discuss. So I'll jump into things and talk about it with people. And I'll uncover sometimes more layers that support whatever I already thought. Plenty of other times I run across things that are not things that I already thought. And I am adjusting uh, maybe what my opinion was altogether. Maybe, you know, there's just things to tweak and go, oh, well, I'm, you know, I was wrong about these details. Okay. Now, now I'm getting a clearer picture because I'm focused on it a little more and I've done what I can to filter out the, the debris, so to speak. As you're panning for gold, right? You get rid of the debris, you're looking for the nuggets. But I, like I, I think the problem that I run into as a, a human being who has optimism for other people is I often 
and I hope this is your, from a personal biased standpoint, I hope that you, a listener, a friend, whoever you might be, are looking at things with as, I, I approach things from these simple perspectives. I, I trust people until they give me a reason not to. I have optimism. And for you, you have a fresh, clean slate, no matter what somebody else did. So you have every opportunity in the world to paint whatever. you got a blank canvas. You, you do whatever you want to do. You need to do. If, you know, if you shit all over the canvas, and you own it, right? It's not because somebody else um, broke my heart, and now I can't love you. Mm-mm. And there's folks who have brought up the question to me, and this is an ownership question for myself. <laughs> they said, Michael, um, are you capable of loving anybody? Like, it seems the way that you are. You're just not... You don't process emotions the same as other people, X, Y, Z. I said, I feel emotions as much, or probably maybe more than most people. However, they do not carry anywhere in, in my experience and from my feedback that I've been They do not carry in any way, shape, or form the kind of weight emotionally. Things do not carry the weight going into some kind of... Um, putting the evidence on the scale that they do for somebody else. There's other people who are like, I strongly feel, you know, and they have bias and X, Y, Z, right? And they, they have personal feelings. It makes them uncomfortable and say, you know, whatever their feelings are, their emotions are, they put that on the scale. That's an extra thing that they, they put on there. And it means more than the evidence, I'm just so sure. I believe this. There's no way this can't be true. Whether it's flat earth or Christianity or aliens or Sasquatches or, you know, Biden's going to save the world or whatever it is. They have this, you know, this hunch, this bias, this intuition. And I, I'm a math and science guy, right? If I, if I can't explain it to you, and I can't use that logic in a variety of situations. I don't put it into the uh, discussion. So when we put things on the scale, I look at things that are universally true, like statistically. It's you know, it's, it'd be hard to dismiss. And so I put those things right there, and I go, you know, especially if it's an argument, especially right, deal with it. And folks have a problem. A lot of times talking to me, and I don't know that I have a, I don't have a problem with them. I listen to whatever you got to say, but when I'm putting something that's universal on the table and going, here we go, and here's how that directly influences whatever we're discussing about. Here's how it pertains to that situation, right? right. And somebody else can bring something up and go, no, 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 no. Here is why this this situation is special and. You know, then they explain all the eccentricities. All you're really doing is making everything into some oddball. It's it's a big pile of horse shit. That's all it is. It just it is. You're trying to pull all of the, like take the sample pool of all the data, 
and dismiss everything that doesn't help you or apply to you. And you, it is. It's what a defense attorney does, right? They try to dismiss and get all the other things thrown out. They, oh, this was an illegal search. And this, da, 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 da. Did he fire the murder weapon? He did. It was the murder weapon. It cut all their throats. And OJ would have been guilty. But they didn't have a search warrant, so they're throwing it out. It, and that's the way they approach conversations. It's like this world of if they can get you, if they can discredit what you're saying based on some kind of wild precedent theory hunch that they have, they can let their bias prevail and they can dictate the evidence. Everything may be, you know, factual, right? But their sample pool is five and your sample pool is 500. So they have 1% of your overall sample pool. And they go, nah, this is 20%. It's one out of five. So wait a minute, it's one out of 500. Well, no, 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 no. In this situation, hey, see this? This is a finger. This is my face. And I'm using my voice to say, fuck you. We're not going to lie. We're not going to be dishonest here. We're not going to throw out good evidence. We're not, we're not even, this is not some strange judiciary atmosphere. Right, this is not, you are a person who should, and I'm not saying you should accept everything somebody else says, because a lot of people lie with statistics. But if you know those things that they're saying to be true, you're being dishonest. And as I've had to tell many people, there's a sign over my door that says dishonesty is not welcome here. And I, I fully appreciate that you have had bad experiences, you went out into the world, you tried something, it soured you, and now you have a bad taste in your mouth. It happens. People break their legs, they have pins and screws and plates in their, you know, for life. That's how it's going to be. That is, is their their future from now on. They got a bionic hip. They got, a, you know, half their leg got taken off in Afghanistan, so now they have prosthetics okay I, I understand but in terms of conversation what you're saying to people is you want to chop off that leg because here's somebody who came into the conversation with a with a good hand on the shoulders they have a good all right but you're right and you got to do everything you can to discredit them and break them down and and start as they say in wrestling working a body part so you're going to try to take their legs out from under them and do everything you can to take them off their feet. and you know Now you're going to pin them down and, and defeat them with your information. Because they were bigger and, and stronger and smarter. And, you know, but if you can do this one dastardly thing, you can be like Ric Flair and be the dirtiest player in the game. And you can win, but you're cheating and it's dishonest and it's a fucking lie. And I understand I love watching wrestling and the Avengers and whatever else. You see the bad guys, they take shortcuts and they prevail. So and so is in a movie and, you know, they vigilante justice or they you know, there's all kinds of movies where the guy he gets off and then the loved one, you know, they get revenge. <laughs> but that's not how intellectual discussion works. 
if you have really good points and I have really good points, but my, mine come from a broader, more informed, you know, a brighter spectrum of things, with then it's your responsibility to yourself and to your community to take that information and, and research it for yourself if you need to or otherwise. But like now, you, as you always did, you have a responsibility to be more informed and smarter and to learn from that experience. As much as the person who came in maybe with more knowledge is trying to learn from you, trying to hone, harness, tweak their information, it's an exchange of ideas. However, it's not always an even exchange. It's very often, far from even. They come in, they're, you know, they got gold. You got pyrite. Okay. Well, they got 100% and you got 20%. Well, if you average it out, that's 60%. Yeah, yeah. Well, you could improve 40% or you can look at it like you drug them down. But at the end of the day, like... <laughs> it's it's not any better if they walk around with 100% and you walk around with 20%. Especially if you keep thinking you're right and you're not only are you destroying yourself but you're destroying like the fabric of what it means to be a good member of your household, your family, your community, society. I mean, it's it's ugly to willfully be ignorant. Do you have a right to do that? Oh, yeah. I mean, you can be, you know, the most obnoxious. What is the the cliche, the stereotypical thing would be the, to be the dumb redneck or something, right? You can you could certainly drink beer and go mudding and, you know, Trump for life, baby, and give up the, M, the NWO symbol for, you know, I don't, whatever. But I just... <laughs> You're not limited to that. And there's often people who just, they just don't care. And that's where the ownership thing comes around. You know, we've made it acceptable for people to um, disappoint us. And I think that's the difference between me and, and a lot of folks who've tried to talk to me is I, I see more for you. I'm a person who looks at it with a thousand percent optimism and multiple chances and I want to be like an observer. I mean if I can help, I can help, but I'd like if if I see you here and you know you could have a much brighter future, I would I would love that. Not just for me, but whoever you end up with or your your children or your neighbors, whatever. Wouldn't that be nice? As the Beach Boys, wouldn't it be nice if we were older? And... Wouldn't it be nice if we were older? Then we wouldn't have to wait so long. And wouldn't it be nice to live together? I just... Uh, I'm often lost in these thoughts because... The kind of people who would listen to me up until this point in a podcast anyway are probably not the ones who really need it. 
And the disappointing thing is that the people who really need it are not willing to listen. Passenger, Dave, Michael David Greenberg, I think is his name. I love Passenger's music. He's got this song called David. David, we lost you such a long time ago. Um, it, it is this tragedy. I mean, it is. You know, it's the, the guy with the, it, it, the classic example that is given in a lot of comedy acts or otherwise is, you know, the old guy, Al Bundy, the guy who scored so many touchdowns in high school and he's got the class ring and, you know, he never went anywhere. And um, I just... I don't know what to say. Like, you you have, I hope, something will just like, as, as the term goes, shock the system. I hope that there's something that will be the catalyst, at least for people that I've run across. And I've run across some people who I've had conversation with, and we've talked, you know, and they've listened to a show, or maybe not. Uh, and I don't think they ever gave up. I might have seen brighter things for them. I might have done a few things differently if I was wearing their shoes. But I never saw them, like, wave the white flag or give up. That, to me, is a form of taking ownership. Just don't let things get worse. You you don't want to leave things any worse than you found them. And if you can, improve them. When I get done cooking in my kitchen, <laughs> I hang the pots and pans up dry, and I don't leave with, you know, when the food's still hot, right? Because you plate the food and let it sit for a second, but you do that, you wash everything, hang it up, and let it dry on the rack, and now you grab the steaming food and, and hit somewhere else. It's not hard to do that. Yes, it is. If you got kids, I was a stay-at-home dad who did it with kids. So, like <laughs> you, um, I'm not trying to tell you that you have to work harder, but if you're going to do better, it probably requires more effort, and probably requires you to give up some vices, change your sleep patterns. Dedicate yourself to things that you may not find to be that much fun, whether that's temporary or permanent. Yes, as an adult, you can go to the store and you can load your entire shopping cart up with Oreos, golden Oreos, peppermint ones, fudge covered, and you can just eat Oreos all week. You don't have to do anything else. Hell, you might be able to collect a welfare check or something else and, and just eat Oreos. It's not a good mix. It's not a good mix to isolate yourself and only talk to people who are just like you and so forth and so on either. And so knowing that, I do. I have a lot of conversations I would probably rather not have. There's a lot of folks on social media who, you know, they like things and comment and send messages. and I'm, as my dad says... I, I always set set him up. It's good to see you. It's good to be seen. It's good to people pay attention to you. Someday they might not. So I appreciate it. As the Harry Chapin song goes, um, 
Because I know I'm going nowhere. And anywhere is a better place to be. Hey, babe, check this out. Alexa? It's game day. Streaming football on Prime Video. Closing blinds. Chilling rosé. Rosé? Well, it's an afternoon game. Huh. It's like she can read, read your, your mind. mind. I love that we get to sleep mm. in. Ordering fresh mint mouthwash. Extra strength. I was thinking, I should get a spray tan, you know? Because that's on Wednesday. Activating blender. Funeral's on Monday. But what about the gold, Papa? Can't you see that treasure all along? It was here. Love the eye patch. It's when is the show open? March 8th. Setting reminder to fake your own death on March 8th. Not, uh... What the When you have to do those love scenes with hot guys, is that fun or is that like the worst? It's the worst. Tell me lies, tell me sweet little lies. Scarlett, <laughs> this bread is delicious. Oh, Did you make it? Yes, uh, it's from my Gammy's recipe. Announcement. Gammy is short for she bought it at Whole Foods. Announcement. Colin left the oysters in the car for five hours. It's probably better Alexa can't read your mind. Bad idea. Watch the game. I grew up on some really good music. I listened to some really good comics and speakers and, and things like that. And I've been very blessed to continue to, to find um, reliable um places to to get my information if it's i don't always listen to him but there's michael knowles there's ben shapiro there's matt walsh all those guys are on the uh <laughs> yeah well often i listen to them i don't even know the name of their service whatever ben shapiro's service is uh it's not breitbart anymore it's daily wire daily wire um dennis prager puts out some good stuff jordan peterson's gonna have his own university before too long he was telling us about it um but I love listening to silly people. Rogan's fun, Tom Segura, Bill Burr, all those, all those cranky guys. I'm just glad people pay attention to me. I'm thankful um, to be a person who has attention, uh, who's given a little bit of credit here and there. And when you get upset listening to me, at least it lets me know that you care. You know, you're giving me some kind of a, a little... I think that sort of auditory or whatever that acknowledgement is, is it, it's not of the utmost importance to me. I mean, most things that I write, I put on my website. I, ne I never go look at the views or the whatever the advertising rates would be or anything else. I just, I write it. It's an idea. I, I'm happy with the story or the, the piece and then I publish it and... I go on about my day. So every now and then I'll go back and read stuff, and I'm like, man, this was... What was I thinking when I wrote this? It's like a little mystery to me. It's like having an old photograph. Um, But I I appreciate everybody who listens to the show, who gets a laugh out of it, who says hello. Um, I don't. I don't pay attention to the <laughs> download numbers or whatever else. I know that Michael Elquay represents is on... It's on Spotify, it's on iTunes, it's on Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, or whatever. 
Uh, you can listen to it on Alexa, right? You can listen to it on Google Home. You can listen to it on iHeartRadio. On is it Stitcher? Is it Deezer? Geezer? Whatever it is. Uh, there's Podcast Addicts. There's Verbal. There's, I'm missing a bunch of other ones. Um, tune in. I don't know. There's there's like three dozen. Uh, I'm very flattered, and it's interesting to know that like I can I'll go to Amazon and Google my name and. That's me. Or I'll go to Google and put my name in or whatever. But I um, I thank people for giving me some kind of credit or credence or otherwise, whether it's a streaming service or whether it's an individual person. And I don't think that just because I'm talking to somebody else who is not distributed or recorded or whatever else, that they have less credence or credibility than me. I do enjoy being able to uh, test my skills. Uh, I think people will call that repartee. There's a nice book called Viva la Repartee uh, or Verbal Judo. But I <laughs> I don't fault anybody. If you if you look at me and you, you snicker and you, you, know, you think bad because I told some story on the podcast or you were more fortunate than me or you, you want to judge me and that's that you're perfectly able to do that. I refuse to do it in return, just the same way I refuse to miss a day of work. And I hope that ownership is something that becomes more important to people as time goes on because it's become less and less important. And I've tried to stay off of social media because the more that I look around, I don't know enough to know if what I'm seeing is like a good representation of society at large. It's statistically true that less people own real property than ever before. Are there more houses? Yeah, but there's way more people. And it, it just didn't get because of the divorce rates the way it is, et cetera, et cetera. Like usually half of those people are renting or leasing or, you know, back living with parents or something. And it reduces the number of owners. And people who are on a title or a deed or who are on the hook so to speak, for maintaining property and, and keeping it um, in good repair and, and keeping the mortgage company off their back. I'm really happy. It's, I don't know. It's, it's almost like I have chills just saying that. Like, I am I'm a very happy guy. I'm, you know, I've been single for a long time now, but I... Um, you can you might have heard a few sound effects as the podcast is going on. Yeah, there's some traffic outside the window or whatever, but like I'm genuinely sitting here. It's twelve fifty two at night. I've got the window open. It's still like seventy some degrees in my place, and it's March. It's it was St. Patrick's Day, and uh, I watched my grandmother turn eighty seven ten days ago, and uh, my grandfather's ninety two, and I've you know very happy healthy, very well, well-mannered, well-behaved, very gracious children. Um, and, you know, the generations of my family before me were people who were farmers. They fought in the war. They, you know, they were not oil tycoons or something. They were people who were, they had land, but they had dirt. <laughs> That's what they had. 
and they had a sawmill that you know they they helped the reason they had some of the things they had is because they built their own houses cut their own hay and <laughs> did all this stuff themselves so they didn't pay somebody else so are they you know they're tradesmen of course there's a lot of folks with and nowadays there's a lot of folks with engineering degrees in the family but i all of those things were acquired. They weren't born with a diploma hanging on their wall or a work history. They had to show up. They had to earn those things. And I don't think anybody else is being subject to some strange circumstances. If I look at that and I go, at their situation and I go, yeah, you you could do the same thing. You certainly could thrive in America, and, and you could do this and increase your credentials this way, and your you'd be stronger in your skills or your resume this way, and boom, in ten years maybe you know. No, you can't go fill your house up with stuff from World Market and Hobby Lobby and Pier One and all this stuff in the first year you start working. Yes, your house is probably gonna look bare. Mine does, even though I've accumulated stuff for the last I don't know twenty some years. It, I still haven't decorated all the walls because I want to, I don't know, I want the house to organically sort of take on a, a history of its own. I'm not just going to give it this uh, motif, this, you know, interior design, and then it's going to stay that way. When I find things that I want to, you know, showcase, I will. There's pictures in my armoire downstairs. There's few pictures that are hanging around, even around this room. A picture of my kids. There's Red Fox. There's some of Richard Petty behind me. And a lot of posters on the wall. Noel Gallagher, Rambo, Chris Cornell, Dances with Wolves, Cooperstown, The Last Supper with all the horror movie figures up here. <laughs> Freddy and Pinhead, Pumpkinhead, Leatherface, Michael Myers, Jason, and all those guys. Right, there's a poster of Johnny Cash giving the big metal finger. And next to him is a picture of Andy Dufresne or Tim Robbins in the Shawshank Redemption, sitting there with his rock hammer thinking about things. And right there is a poster. I, I was young, and I didn't know how much it meant at the time. But as time has gone on, it's, it gives me chills just to think about it. Right here is a poster that's black and white, but it's my, Michael Jordan is the only thing in color, him and the ball. And it's where he just got the pass... And he's making what's called the shot against Cleveland. Six seconds left. Elo looks. Elo in the dance. Back to Elo. He drives. He scores! Elo drove it right down the wing and scores! 199 with three seconds to play. Right at the end, Cleveland kind of looked at us on the bench like, okay, you guys are done. The Cavs were just three seconds away from eliminating the upstart Bulls and advancing to the next round. But those three seconds would have an impact for years to come. It would be a defining moment, not only for Jordan, but for the Chicago and Cleveland franchises. And it all came down to one shot. The inbounds pass comes into Jordan. Here's Michael at the foul line. A shot on Elo. Good! The Bulls win it! They win it! And he would go on to do that many other times. But uh, 
I was I was very blessed at the time I grew up with when I was younger. I got to watch Michael Jordan and Bo Jackson and Wayne Gretzky and these wonderful, wonderful like people who were in sports who had integrity, who were like the the they are the benchmark. You know, Wayne Gretzky is still considered the greatest of all time. Michael Jordan, you know, greatest of all time. You know, these these folks who it's almost like where Tom Brokaw calls my grandfather's generation, World War II, the greatest generation. Um, those might have been the greatest in terms of sports uh, generation, you know. And uh, the reason I'm an Atlanta Braves fan in 2022 is because I remember watching the Braves every time we went on the fishing trip um, with my family. The Braves were in the playoffs, 91, 92, whatever, um, against the Blue Jays. And... You know, we we're watching it. It was a bonding experience. Um, there was not a football team here when I grew up. I want to preface that in North Carolina. So my dad was a big 49ers fan. So I, was, I grew up watching the 49ers. I got to watch Jerry Rice and Joe Montana and Steve Young. And I can still name off all them guys, right? Romanowski and Stubblefield. And when they back when they had Ken Norton Jr. and uh, Deion Sanders and all these guys. I mean, it was, it, it was a time to be, you know, I'm sure that other people feel just as, whatever about their teams and their times but I love my youth and I played a lot of sports I used a lot of that to be active to be out to be and that's why I have the work ethic and the metabolism and any of the any compliments I get about anything with me now is because of those things your eyes are blue yeah because I have a filter for bullshit and when I see things that are dramatic they're exaggerated they're false I go about using evidence to dismiss those things, to disprove those things. Just like you would use science. You take a hypothesis, you go through the scientific method, and, and you find out what the result is. And that's all I've ever asked for anybody out of a conversation, and, and I take full ownership of that. Like I've, I don't remember ever lying to someone to win an argument. I have said unkind things to people every now and then. So, yeah. I've said uh, most of that is it, it. It is it's a defense mechanism that we all have. But they said something halfway negative. I talked about this the twenty point scale. So I said something negative. Now sometimes what I said is a lot more pure and direct than what they said. And so you you you're like, oh my god, why did you say that to me? I only said this. Well, yeah, because that because on a scale of one to ten, you're capable of like <laughs> fifty. I don't know. Or a five, your your total your overall capability is five. Okay, so you gave me five out of ten, but I gave you my five out of ten. Except I'm capable of ten out of ten, so I only gave you half power. Except for you, it was full power, and yeah, that's not fair. If you hit a guy, you know when you you know, the boxing things that are on YouTube, right? The people punch the boxing bag and it comes up with a G-forces or whatever, right? So this guy hit it with like 300 pounds of pressure. Oh my God. So he's going to hit you at half force, 150 pounds of pressure. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah. You're going to hit him with half force. Yeah, but I only hit with 100, so half force is 50. Yeah, versus 150. So I probably wouldn't hit that guy because he gave you the same amount of potential that you gave him. You gave him 50% of you, he gave you 50% of him, and you got up with Chris Tucker Friday, right? You got knocked the f anyway. What you doing up so early? Oh, 
Man, I tried to come and catch you before you went to work, let you know what happened to Red Ass. What's up? Man. You know that nigga Debo don't had his bike for like three weeks, right? Right. I got right. money, don't worry. Man. Got so oh, much money, I got another nigga Debo. just to count it for me. I won. Give me my money. You what? I lost. Roll the dice. Debo. Hold my money. Watch. Can I talk to you for a second? back, homie. It's right here. Follow me, homie. Yeah, it's just like it's both ours. Just keep it down at my house. Cool. hell trying to edit this episode and put all these clips in here <laughs> so I, I, you know i i, I want to wrap this up by saying that i believe in other people and i think i've tried to convey that in several different ways optimism to me is extremely important look at the conversation as a variety of opportunities to learn something to feel good to bond with someone to just have a human exchange of ideas and experience. Is it a competition? It can be, but it doesn't mean that it can't be a healthy competition. So, thank you for listening to me. I got to smoke a whole cigar. I drank some of my Evan Williams bourbon and share a few ideas with you. I appreciate everybody who contributed to any one of these stories, no matter who you are. Um, <laughs> some strange folks in the world. Hey, there ain't much left in this bottle. We're going to finish this real quick. But in the future, I mean, anybody who's got any ideas about, you know, you got something you want addressed on the podcast. I mean, I've done a Q&A episode before. Um, I probably will do one again here in the near future. I still have a bunch of other things I want to do about ownership, so look for that. But um, I hope everybody had a safe, a happy um, St. Patrick's Day. And whether you want to express your wrong opinion or whether you want to share what you think is fabulous information, the same thing that's in my opening episode. I will always have, and I would hope for other people to do this, but it's your choice. I'll always have the open door policy. 
Till next time, this has been Michael L. Craver Presents. Take care. But the sugar-